This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company. For more information and links to all our great podcasts, visit HartmanMedia.com. Welcome to the Solomon Success Show, where we explore the timeless wisdom of King Solomon and the Bible as it relates to business and investing. False prophets and get-rich-quick schemes are everywhere. Let's not be distracted by these. Instead, let's go to the source, the eternal principles that create a life of peace, power, and prosperity. Here's our host, Jason Hartman. It's my pleasure to welcome Rob Bell. He is founder of Mars Hill Bible Church, Time's 100 Most Influential People of 2011. He's author of the best-selling books, Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who has ever lived, The Zimzum of Love, A New Way of Understanding Marriage, uh, Velvet Elvis, Repainting Christian Faith, and Drops Like Stars, A Few Thoughts on Creativity and Suffering. Rob, welcome. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me on. Good. It's good to have you. And you're coming to us today from Spokane, Washington. But I assume that's not where you're based, uh, is it? No, I'm based out of Los Angeles, but right now I'm on tour. We're doing 31 cities around the country. So I am... uh, three cities from the end of the tour. <laughs> oh boy, I bet you'll be uh, glad to sleep in your own bed soon, right? <laughs> yes. How, how long does it take to hit 29? I guess you've hit 29 so far, right? Or something like that? Yeah. How long did that um, take? I left home July 6th. So you basically every day you're in a different city and there's like a day off once in a while. Wow. Otherwise, it's a city a day. Yeah. Oh, boy, that must be um, difficult, a difficult job. Probably very fun at first, but I would assume it gets old quickly. <laughs> I do love it, and it is exhausting. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, that's interesting, Rob. That's an interesting point, because I wanted to ask you about suffering during our talk today. It's possibility to spur creativity, and you said you love it, but it's exhausting. You know, that's interesting. I mean, just because uh, something is difficult doesn't mean it's not great and fulfilling and uh, and that you don't love it, right? Right. And, and think about everything that matters. Think about every athlete you admire. Think about every movie that inspired you. Whenever you hear the interview, you know what I mean? The person who made whatever it is or did whatever it is, they always talk about the difficulty. Every great business idea they always talk about pushing the rock up the hill. You know what I mean? The suffering, the sweat, the blood, the difficulty is always what people talk about. It's like baked into the thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's very interesting. It's almost like that sort of hero's journey concept because that's a big part Absolutely. of it. Yeah, yeah, it Absolutely. Yeah, really Absolutely. Talk to us, if you would, about the Bible and some of its lessons about entrepreneurship, investing, or just general life success. If you look at the scriptures, even early, I mean, the Bible begins with a poem. Genesis chapter 1 is written in poetry form. And what's so interesting is the poet keeps insisting that we are here with this extraordinary opportunity to make something of our lives. That creation and the act of creation, it isn't just that we're here and we're created, but it's that we have an opportunity to make something of the world. So what you find consistently in the scriptures is this affirmation that we live in a generative reality, that we can actually generate new things. And so when you think about business, when you think about being an entrepreneur, when you think about innovation, all of that is rooted in making something new that's good for humanity. 
And this affirmation that we all have been given this sacred, holy, unbelievably valuable gift of life. And the question is, what are we going to make? What are we going to do with it? And some people teach and some people organize things and some people, they run the spreadsheets and some people make new things. But there's an impulse each of us have been given to do something with this world. And that's mm -hmm. an extraordinary question. Yeah, very interesting. Well, what about that impulse? I mean, maybe you want to drill down on that a little bit. Uh, where, where does that come from? I, like, why are people... I mean, that's probably the question of the ages. You, and right, you don't know right, the answer, right. I assume. Well, what's <laughs> but, really uh, inter what, what I think is really interesting is if you look at the ancient Mesopotamian culture, the fundamental creation stories that were popular at the time that the Bible first emerged, the popular stories of the culture of that day, like if you look at Epic of Gilgamesh or you look at the Enuma Elish, in those, the gods are at conflict with each other, especially like the Enuma Elish, which was the dominant Babylonian creation story. The gods are in conflict with each other, and the reason the earth came into being, according to that story, is because of conflict. One god crushed another god and made the earth out of the carcass of the other god. What's fascinating about the Hebrew story, the Genesis story, is it insists, when it talks about creation, that creation comes from divine joy. There's one God, the writer keeps insisting, who doesn't bring the universe into being because of conflict, but because of overflowing joy. And that raised, like the book of Genesis, was a provocative, provocative question that it raised in the culture of its day, which is, which view is the better view? That we're here because of conflict, or we're here because of overflowing generative joy? You know what I mean? I mean, that was a revolutionary question. And what's so interesting in the modern world today is still the question. Do you believe the engine of the universe, the engine of creation, is conflict and destruction and carnage? Or do you believe that it is generative creativity and joy? And you think about business. Some people, man, it is all just crush your competition and eat them for lunch. And other people, it's no. I'm here to do something good in the world. I'm here to make something that makes life better for people. It's almost like the questions that were present in humanity 3,000, 4,000 years ago are still the dominant questions. Well, that's what's always been so interesting to me, Rob, is that yes. when, you, when you read Scripture, you realize that people really haven't changed very much in thousands of years. Right, they? right, right, right. You have these extraordinary changes, and we don't believe the Earth is flat. We now realize the Earth isn't the center of the solar system. There's all this extraordinary change, and yet, as you just pointed out, there are still these fundamental human questions of, do I matter? What am I supposed to do with my energies? How do I get along with people? How do I love somebody well? What do I do when my everything that's familiar has been taken away from me, and I have to start over? Like the fundamental human questions are still there thousands of years later. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will remain unanswered uh, for eternity and, and maybe for a reason. I, you know, we, well, it makes for some great art and some great discussion. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. Talk to us, if you would, about any of the uh, investing principles, because you know, one of the things that you talked about is that the two types of people in business, you know, crush your competition, eat them for lunch, or create something of value and, you know, expand the pie, if you will. I, you didn't say that exactly, but I'm, I'm saying that. Yeah. And, you know, I noticed that about investing, that it's so, I and many of my real estate or my listeners are into real estate investing, and it really can be a very much a win-win arrangement. What amazes me on the broader subject of capitalism 
is that I've traveled extensively. I've been to 78 countries now, and I'm constantly traveling to our different real estate markets in which we invest around the U.S. And Rob, everywhere I go, all my needs are met as long as I have money. Okay, granted. But, you know, I can get room and board. I can get entertainment. Everything is met, you know, internet connectivity, phones, uh, whatever you need. Just everywhere you go, the system works so beautifully and smoothly. There are almost never shortages. Prices are always relatively reasonable. It's really an amazing system, you know. It has created such an extraordinary standard of living for so many people. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. And my friends in Africa will say, I had a friend visiting from Africa who said, it's amazing your poor have cars and TVs. Such an amazing statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah exactly. She was like, "Well, not just that. They How? have they have brand new Michael Jordan sneakers and iPhones too." Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really is amazing. Um, so, you know, when it comes to that win-win relationship, landlords have tenants. There's that relationship. I mean, um, really, both parties win. More value is created, isn't it? Absolutely. And in some ways, it takes a more refined consciousness to understand that there's got to be some way in this situation that everybody can get what they need and this can be a win-win. And oftentimes you'll notice when people are functioning at the only thing that can happen here is I need to win, which means everybody else needs to lose. That duality of if I win, then you must lose is actually a very primitive early stage of thinking. And one of the marks of growing and development and maturity is you move beyond that dual thinking, which always assumes if there's a winner, then there must be a loser. And you move to some call it unity of consciousness, which is simply your awareness that we're all in this together and I don't have to settle for the answer that says, I win, you lose, you win, I lose. But there is some more seasoned, mature, advanced way of thinking here where everybody can move forward together. And that actually is a significant leap forward. And you can even find developmental theory along these lines of what happens when people move to later stages of, it's almost like intellectual maturity, you know what I mean? Where they realize, Mm -hmm. hey, wait, I don't have to be trapped in those old categories. Yeah, it's not a duality. There's more to it than that. And, uh, right. and and that's a very good way to look at it. Anything specifically on Solomon, the, the richest person who ever lived? Uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Any, any lessons you want to share there? Well, you'd probably find this really interesting. What's really interesting among scholars is that Solomon is seen as this extraordinary wise man, but he's also, in Jewish history, he's read as a warning sign. Because what happens is the Hebrew story begins with these Hebrew slaves in Egypt the book of Exodus, and they're rescued from slavery. And they're brought out into the wilderness, and they're given this almost like mandate to be a new kind of tribe in the world, a tribe that blesses all the other tribes, that has a mission in the world. But then by the time you get to Solomon, Solomon, it says, builds his temple using slaves. So the slaves that were rescued from slavery are now using other slaves to build their temple. And so one of the questions you find that's really interesting about Solomon, especially in, among Hebrew scholars, is what are you going to do with your wealth and power? And when he, Solomon builds his temple using slaves, it's a misuse of his extraordinary wealth and power later in his life. 
and that the Bible is actually a very sharp critique of wealth and power when it is not used to help those who need it the most. So the Queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon, and she says, I know why you've been given all of this wealth and power. She says, you have been given the to maintain justice and righteousness. Now, what's interesting about the phrases justice and righteousness, mishpah and sedekah is the Hebrew words there, is that is essentially, she says, I know why you've been given all this. You've been given all this to help those on the underside, to give people opportunities to make the world a better place. And so what you have is this outsider comes into Solomon's world and says, Solomon, you have to be careful that you don't just spend all this on yourself because that'll turn really ugly really fast. And of course, it's a fantastic contemporary question. Any of us, do we use our power, our success, our wealth, our abundance? Do we use it simply to build our empire even bigger? Or do we use it to invest in good things, to give to others, to give others a leg up, to give others an opportunity? Once again, it's an ancient question. It's still one of the questions. Mm -hmm. The concept of giving and tithing it just amazes me that the government can't live on 10%. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because once again, we're now in another election cycle. There's always a candidate who suggests some sort of flat. You know what I mean? There's someone who always suggests a 10 or a 13. And there's always like this, ha ha, that's kind of a, cr they're always considered the wing nut. But it's funny to me how many people sitting at home are like, I kind of like that idea. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, it's, it's, it's a crazy. great idea. I mean, why? I can't believe we don't have a flat tax. You know, it so, seems so obvious. Or, or a it's flattened so, tax. Maybe it's not completely right. flat, but right. a lot flatter than what we have now. But of course, now we've got this huge entrenched industry of accountants and CPAs who, you know, would oppose it massively. And they have lobbyists and they want to keep uh, right. defending us against our own government rather than doing proactive things like you know, helping right. us manage our cash flow and project into the future and, you know, make make financial yes. decisions, yes. you know, but your turn on that one. If you, yeah, I don't know if you had, maybe oh. you don't have a comment, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking uh, that, you know, in politics, they have this phrase, follow the money. Mm -hmm. And what you were just pointing out was, why haven't we done something that might be really straightforward and easier for everybody? Right. Oh, because a number of people have money invested, jobs invested in keeping out is, oh, that's why it stays the way it is. Got it. It's like the line is pretty straightforward on that one. That's what's so sad about America in so many ways is that you get these entrenched interests and you just can't do anything, you know? <laughs> Even if the system makes no sense, if it doesn't work, you know, you get an entrenched interest and you're just, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. Institutions naturally bend towards self-preservation. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is how many institutions started as a radical, fresh new idea to help people. But as soon as you have a large payroll, as soon as you have a need for a certain monthly income, then the issue becomes not what is the next best idea, what is the absolute best way to do it, but how do we make sure we protect and preserve this place? Which you see in business all the time. There was the startup, you know, it's only a few people that have a shoestring budget, they have an idea, they build something, it's extraordinary. Now they have a payroll and have to keep the money coming in and that very creative impulse gets stifled. 
it's like the great challenge of institutions. It really is. And I've noticed that with charities, been on a few boards over the years, and, and their whole goal is just to expand themselves and and grow. It's not necessarily to solve the actual problem anymore. Right, That's like right. this old thing that happened in the past, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. Rob, there's uh, certainly been lots of talk over the years about tax-free status for churches seems like I've been reading a few more articles lately about a push to eliminate that. What are your thoughts? I started a church and was part of a church for, was a local church pastor uh, for a number of years until about four years ago. I don't actually have strong opinions about that. I, I, um, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought I would, you know, I guess your position would be, of course, that you're for it. But no, not necessarily. Well, it's fine. I just, the problem for me traveling around the world and seeing what people actually go through. I mean, you've traveled a lot, so you've seen the sorts of things where what churches are actually facing around the world and being in countries where churches are meeting late at night for fear for their own safety, churches where if you are public in any way about your faith. So for me, there's this extraordinary luxury of being the Western church. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Right. You can meet in public, you can have a huge building you can add, I mean, churches advertise, they have multi-million dollar budgets. It's awesome. So part of it for me is just the perspective of seeing how difficult it is in parts of the world and how, in many ways, easy it is. So yeah, do people get a write-off? Fantastic. Tax-free. Awesome. Totally for it. Great. It's just the larger perspective of the kinds of things the Western church is discussing and the kinds of things I've seen other churches and other places discussing. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like sort of on the spectrum of things, how amazing that this is the kinds of issues that we're actually discussing. Extraordinary. Okay, so you mean that the tax-free status is the issue we're discussing instead of can yes. we even practice our faith? Right, or hey, look who was beheaded this week in our church. Oh my God. You know what yeah, I mean? Wow. I mean, the sort of stuff that real people in places in the world, some of the oppression just for beliefs is like, Whoa. So I think it's extraordinary that we live in a country where we even have this sort of status and all for it. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. And speaking of which, or non-belief, I was uh, just reading an article this morning about uh, these what they call hackings, where people are being hacked to death with hatchets and axes for being secular bloggers. Islamic groups are grabbing them and hacking them to death because they are secular. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, where, where are we going with that? Is this uh, the end times? Are we, you know, are we going to have, uh, this, is this just a fight that's going to last the next thousand years? It, it's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, uh, it is unbelievable. this is like a seventh century mentality. It's barbaric beyond belief. Right. The return to medieval levels of thinking is shocking. It seems like there has always been somewhere in the world something happening that raises questions about how can this continue? Is this the end? Is this... It seems like every... There's a long history of people saying, see, now we're really at the end. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that we weren't at right. the end. But it does seem as though the gap in the world between people who, like you said, have their needs met at a, some basic level and those who are in crushing, stifling poverty and lack, that gap does seem to be creating new levels of frustration and anger. And Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's 
at some level, internet connectivity means now people are more aware. Mm-hmm. And we know that just general levels of awareness are raised. And if you are in a setting where you have no access to clean water, to education, to transportation, to any road to a better life, the anger that is there, and if you have gotten glimpses of how other people are living, what abundance they have, and then somebody comes along, you are an easy target to be manipulated. They hand you a gun and say, you see what they have? They're part of the problem. Those are some very real, real issues. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us in developed world who have so much, everything we do to help empower those who need it and don't have basic needs met does make the world more safe. Mm -hmm. And, And so many people now are saying, if you want to fight terrorism, work to feed everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Work to work to make education free to everybody around the world. Um, and so these really interesting new movements are starting that are saying, you know what, you can fight terrorism with an army, but you may be making people even more angry. Or you can fight terrorism by fighting the conditions that breed such dissatisfaction and anger that people are easy targets to be manipulated and to be recruited. Would it be fair to say, I mean, I get your vision for that and I like it, but would it be fair to say that that's, you know, what you're talking about is the long-term plan, but the immediate plan is you still need to fight it with an army and a police force, right? I would say that we are talking long-term people saying, okay, how in the long-term do you make the world safer? Right, but what do we do today is we still have to have military, you know, you do it with force, unfortunately, very much And literally, I know people who are trying to do good in certain parts of the world, and literally to do their job, they need security guards and bodyguards. You know what I mean? Like, they are working in areas with education, with water, with food, with better agricultural practices, but just to go into those areas and help, they need protection. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you literally need a bodyguard just to go in and do good work. Yeah, scary stuff. It's really, uh, really amazing. Well, Rob, um, you know, any closing thoughts uh, just to wrap up here? First of all, what's your website? RobBell.com, R-O-B-B-E-L-L.com. Fantastic. And uh, listeners can check out RobBell.com. But just any closing thoughts on um, advice for uh, investing or business? The great writer Abraham Heschel said, I did not ask for success. I asked for wonder. And in investing in business and in innovation and in making new things and being an entrepreneur, it's one thing to invent great products, to make great decisions, to make a lot of money, which is awesome. But the really interesting thing is to create the kind of life where you wake up in the morning and you think, I can't believe I get to do this. How great is this? Mm -hmm. And I met lots of people who have made a lot of money and made really good financial decisions But what they all, at the end of the day, want more than anything is they want a life filled with the wonder and expectation and anticipation of you wake up in the morning and you like going to work. Mm -hmm. You love the idea that this day you're going to have some new adventure. You're going to have some new challenge. You're going to get to use your energies to make something new. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the real question of the soul. And if you give your energies to that, I want to create a life where I wake up in the morning with a, I can't believe I get to do this, you'll probably make great investments and probably Mm -hmm. end up doing great business. Yeah, yeah. Good advice. Good stuff. Rob Bell, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Welcome to Meet the Masters of Income Property Investing. I'm your host, Jason Hartman. Join us in beautiful La Jolla, California on January 12th through 15th. This is your chance to meet the masters of income property investing. Learn from an amazing collection of experts all in one room. You'll meet a ton of local market specialists, mortgage lenders, tax professionals, and investment specialists such as Jeff Myers of Myers Research and John Burns, real estate consultant. Learn from Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors, Ken McElroy, his real estate investment expert, and Garrett Sutton, his attorney who specializes in asset protection. Find out what leading economists are predicting for 2018, including Danielle DiMartino Booth, founder of Money Strong LLC, and Andrew Zatlin from Moneyball Economics. Hear from leading entrepreneurs how to maximize your income streams. You'll learn unique financial strategies from Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life and how to give birth to a brand from Brian Smith, founder of UGG Australia Brand. This year also features a very special guest, Dr. Ron Paul, former congressman, presidential candidate, and staunch advocate of liberty. Right now, you can upgrade your ticket to include VIP access and a dinner with Dr. Paul. Enjoy a fine dining experience and fascinating conversation. Seats are limited, so upgrade your ticket today. Ask questions and learn why real estate is the most historically proven asset class. Armed with new information, you'll have the confidence to take massive action. As the saying goes, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Surround yourself with like-minded people and build friendships that will last a lifetime. Share strategies and tips with other investors and hear about their successes and struggles. Make 2018 the year you decide to achieve your dreams. Real estate is a proven way to create true wealth within your lifetime and achieve long-term financial independence. Don't wait. Join us in La Jolla. Reserve your seat today.